And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap and the alliance guys are reunited and it feels so right yes look who we found we put him in the middle because we know we, we both wanted to be close to him this is the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. And with me, of course, is my good pal, DKM, and of course, the returning former world junior heavyweight champion, Kevin Frazier. Kevin, welcome back. The, the guys in the chat are happy to see you. Are you happy to be here? Man, I am pumped up. I'm pulling the chat up right now so I can, you know, say hello to everybody. Uh, glad to be back, you know, amidst everything that could have happened that did happen. Um, sorry, I had to turn it off. But, uh, you know, just glad to see you guys back. James, Terry, uh, Scoob, Dave Scooby, Jimmy. Glad to see you guys, you know, again. And just glad to be back. Uh, went on vacation. I mean, if you name it, it happened. Got COVID. Uh, and even tonight, I had to scratch and claw to get on here. But I'm glad to be here. Glad to see you guys. And uh, glad to talk some wrestling finally. Well, we're, we're glad to have you, DK. How are you doing, my brother? Well, I'm alive. And for right now, that's what we'll stick with. Hey, that, you know, we'll take that. We'll take you being alive because uh, if you were, well, never mind. It's, never mind. <laughs> so we'll take we'll take you being alive, DK. Because if I were undead, you'd be scared. You wouldn't well, have to be dead. You know what? And, and, I, that might be kind of cool. I don't want to bring up some bad stuff because we are going to talk about it. But you know, there have been some recent passings in the NWA family, so I, I can't stomach another one, DK. So you're going to have to at least last till September because. I mean, we lost three wrestling personalities in the last three days. And, and really, even before that, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, it was Paul, Mr. Wonderful, Orndorff. And, and now we've, we've lost our, you know, we've lost Jody Hamilton, the assassin. We've lost, uh, you know, Burt Prentice, longtime promoter out of the, uh, the, you know, the Tennessee area, Memphis, Can- uh, Kansas. Memphis or Nashville, he's been around those parts for quite some time. And then, of course, today, the shocking news that uh, we lost uh, uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton of the Midnight Express. And I'm just, I'm a little crushed, I'll be honest. I'm a little deflated. Um, Of course, to me, not that I had a relationship with any of these guys, but I grew up watching Bobby Eaton. 
Um, and I always thought that he was one of those guys that just did all the little things correctly. I always felt like Bobby Eaton was that guy who, you know, if you were a wrestler coming up in the business, that's the guy you want to emulate. You want to you want to throw punches like Bobby Eaton. You want to throw leg drops like Bobby Eaton. You want to do drop kicks like Bobby Eaton. And, you know, for someone who, I mean, I did a little bit of research today, but you know, we, we always talk about how he was a tag team champion with Dennis Condry or Sweet Stan Lane. But that guy literally held tag team titles with Coco Beware, Mr. Pogo, a hardcore Japanese legend. And, uh, I mean, he just did so much. Uh, Arn Anderson, they held the WCW tag team titles. So, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, a, kind of a rough day knowing someone that you've, uh, for, at least for me, idolized growing up watching him. He was a guy you, you never... I mean, he just did his did his job. He just he came out there and wrestled, and he did it well. So I, it took a little bit of wind out of my sails. Kevin, you're you're the only one of us that have stepped in the ring. What did Bobby Eaton mean to you? Do you have any stories about Bobby Eaton? You know, it's funny. Um, I believe I have been in the same building or the same locker room with him a few times. Uh, nothing. I didn't have a relationship with him like I have uh, with some of the other uh, guys from his era that I have to be around. But as far as just a person being influenced by it, I mean, Bobby was never a really big guy as far as being a wrestler. And so for someone like me to see a guy like that, you know, one of the things uh, about halfway through my career that I wanted to make sure that I could do was wrestle in the heavyweight division. Uh, and so guys that made a living in that division that were around my size were guys that I really drew a lot from and so uh, he would definitely be one of those people that I watched um, and really enjoyed but you know at the same time when you're teaching a wrestler especially like what you decide consider a mid-sized type wrestler uh, someone who's not excessively athletic but or, or not excessively big uh, it's kind of that middle of the road, really good athlete, but maybe not an acrobat, um, not really huge, uh, muscular type wrestler. I mean, Bobby Eaton is like the kind of guy you would have him watch in, in his tag matches, uh, especially with the Midnight Express, and um, that against teams that, uh, gosh, I think it was Fantastics, um, you know, obviously the Rock and Roll Express, uh, the Midnight Express, uh, I'm sorry that, that they were in the Midnight Express. Um, no, there were there were you know there were just a, a handful of tag teams during that time that that arguably obviously the four horsemen that arguably you could make an argument that that might have been the greatest era of tag team wrestling um, since color TV. So um, and he was a part of that and he was highly um, respected and highly highly. Um, held in high acclaim in terms of wrestlers and wrestlers types. You know, what you would call like a wrestler's wrestler. He's a wrestler's wrestler because he could get so much out of so little. He could do so much, but he when he did a lot, it actually meant something and it made sense when he did it. As where, you know, a lot of the stuff today, and I'm not, I'm not critical of it because I love wrestling today, uh, but a lot of the stuff today doesn't have really any any semblance behind why you're doing it or or anything of that nature. Never had that with uh, with Bobby Eaton. So as far as the guys that were mentioning, um, he would be the one that I have the most to say about, just because the other two guys, I didn't watch The Assassin. That's probably more DK's uh, time frame, and I don't know a lot about uh, Princess. 
So, you know, that's my that's my thing as far as that's that's what I got to say. The free birds do uh, about, you know, hobby and, and 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 honestly this is the first I heard of it and uh, it's you know, it's a bummer. I hate to hear it. Um, and you know, just lifting up his family and, and friends and all those that are uh, that are affected by the loss. Do you, you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, you know, I actually got to see uh, the Midnight Express of uh, beautiful Bobby and Love Boy Dennis a couple of times when they were here in Texas, three or four. So I got to see them live, and it wasn't really something to wonder at because there were people who did move off the top row but not like Bobby did. And uh, he really was kind of groundbreaking at that point. And, you know, he was part of arguably one of the greatest tag teams ever. Both versions of that, both major versions of that tag team. And, but I think the thing that really talks about him as a person was I don't know anyone who did not like him. I don't I don't know anyone who knew him who said, uh, you know, Bob was a nice guy, but sometimes he could be or whatever. Everybody loved him. He was quiet, he was unassuming, you know, which is like where Kevin's like, yeah, you can be in a locker room with him. But you know he was just a, even as a veteran and a star, he was just kind of a quiet guy. He was there to do his work. Uh, when they didn't attempt to honor him, the joke of the event was, uh, don't tell Bobby, because it was being advertised all over social media and the internet, but Bobby wasn't plugged in. Yeah. yeah and that- so... You know, that was a big job. Don't tell Bobby. Because the only way he would know is if somebody told him. And if I have to have a favorite story about him, and we talk about him being this quiet and unassuming guy, Jim Cornette tells the story of when they were wrestling the Freebirds after the Freebirds, uh, won the world tag team title in the NWA the combination of Jimmy Carvin and, and Michael Hayes and apparently Hayes and Garvin were trying to come off more as tough guys and they didn't really like to sell and it was leading to some problems and uh, especially between the teams. So there was a night where there was a six-man match. And it was the Freebirds with Terry Gordy and the Midnight Express with Dr. Death Steve Williams. And... Wow. Like someone said, uh, like Cornette said, he goes, Gordy was like the only one in the match on that side that was sell, and he was the only one in the match on that side that shouldn't have sold. And so, 
I guess things that kind of broke down and things got a little bit stiff and uh, Steve Williams went after uh, went after Jimmy Carpenter with a chair, one of those old wooden chairs, and he was plastering them with it. And, you know, he was putting his arms up and there was scrapes and blood and I think he may have even got a fracture or something from Dr. Jeff Williams beating on him. So the Freebirds retreated to the back and the Midnight Express went after him and Steve Williams was there behind him and they got to the locker room and you know, things were about ready to go down when I guess Bobby yelled about something to the effect of you know, damn, we don't mind putting you over, but you got to give us something. Yeah. And nobody had ever seen Bobby back. And it was just like, everything chilled after that because everybody was in shock. And so, you know, it was like, damn, Bobby spoke. And so he had his say, he left, and... Uh, you know, the rest of the midnight and Cornette left with him, Dr. Death, and and everything. So it was just, he's the only person that by being bad could defuse the situation. <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, called respect. That's yeah. respect. That's what respect is right there. We, um, we're we're going to get to uh, some more of the NWA news and information that have, has been coming out the last uh couple hours last few days um and we're also going to get to the champion series of course that's very important to us that's what we like to do is kind of recap what happened to nwa power but just want to take a few more minutes to talk about some of these guys uh, who we recently lost now i i'm not a, a huge uh assassin um uh fan I, I don't know much about jody hamilton i know his, his son was nick patrick in, in wcw um, I know he held a lot of acclaim. A lot of people really much cared for the Assassin. Um, I know the Assassins as a tag team, they, they did the whole Killer B thing with uh, Hercules Hernandez and uh, and uh, Jody uh, would switch sides outside the ring um, because of the mask. And the referee would never know the difference between the guy who was a little bit more heavier set and a guy who was built like a, a brick house. And so I know that I've heard those stories um, I also know that he had a year, uh, a, a career that lasted 31 years in active professional wrestling, which is almost unheard of these days. And uh, the fact that he wrestled for so long and then and then had a, a fruitful life outside of the ring and, and again, um, only have heard good things about Mr. Hamil, uh, Mr. Uh, Jody Hamilton. And uh, you know, we're sorry for his family and for those who uh, were were affected by his loss. DK, do you have any stories about the assassin? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. If you want to know about him, don't go to Wikipedia because when they talk about parts of his career, they're wondering at some point. <laughs> but for those who don't know, Jody Hamilton, like uh, Ray said, is probably better known among modern people as being the father of uh, Nick Patrick, the referee. And, uh, too many people around today probably only remember him when he was older and it got pretty heavy and didn't move very well or whatever. But 
believe it or not, he wasn't the original assassin. He's called the assassin number one. He wasn't the original assassin. Uh, Tom Ernesto was the original assassin. He had had a couple of different partners. And Jody Hilton was his last and longest and most famous partner. So Hilton actually started out as assassin number two. Uh, and they wrestled across the world. Uh, the only place that they didn't wrestle as the assassins was in Carolinas, because he was already uh, Tom Ernesto was already known in the Carolinas under a different name. And so when they went to the Carolinas, they they wrestled those names, Bolo, uh, I think, and. Uh, so when Resto finally retired and Hamilton came back as the assassin, then that's when he was the assassin number one. And he had he had a few different partners. The main one was uh, Randy Collier, Collier, one of the Moondogs. Yeah, okay. I forget which one. Rex, Rex I think. Uh, he also wrestled under a mask in Mid-South as the Nightmare. Uh, Collier did. But uh, they were probably the best known Assassin 1 and Assassin 2. And then when Collier left, that's when he brought in Assassin number 3. Assassin number 3 was Hercules Hernandez. And he did that in a couple different areas for a couple different times. One time, after Assassin 3 lost, Assassin 1 beat him up and took his mask and told him he didn't have the right to be an Assassin anymore. And another time, uh, Assassin Free, you know, Hernandez was un- was unmasked in the ring. And at the time, nobody knew who he was. Just before he was Hercules Hernandez, and so he was unmasked and you know running to the back with his hair and beard and everything like that. Everybody's going, "Who's that? Who's that? We don't know who that is." <laughs> Which if another guy unmasked, we'd get a lot of here too. And, uh, but as a tag team, the assassins with Ernesto and him, they feuded with the Kentuckians and they drew money everywhere, everywhere. They were a top tag team feud. They would go to all the different territories and have the same feud and they would men event and they would still have and then later in his career, he's probably best known as working for Paul Jones, part of Paul Jones' army, and uh, feuding a lot with Dusty Rhodes. But he was very, he was a very talented guy. He did some promoting on his own. He was Deep South. He was a Deep South promoter. If you ever heard of that wrestling promotion? They actually uh, worked as a developmental ter- territory at the same time as. Uh, Ohio Valley did and uh, he was on the creative team a couple different times and worked as an agent and different things in WCW so been the business a long time knew a lot just part of that generation unfortunately you know 82 that moving on yeah so again, uh, 
our condolences to the family of the assassin. And then, of course, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Burt Prentice. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times we get credit for being the uh, wilderness show of record here for the NWA um, because we talk so much about that time frame when WCW uh, departed from the National Wrestling Alliance before the NWA uh, uh, was licensed by the Jarrett's for TNA. But there was that time, that, that space in the middle where you had a lot of NWA things happening. And one of the uh, cogs in that wheel was Burt Prentice, uh, both with Music City Wrestling and uh, in his involvement with Music City Wrestling and, and having Bill Barons come from the uh, USWA, which was uh, Jerry Lawler's wrestling promotion, to Music City Wrestling with Burt Prentice, uh, basically got the ball rolling for what would end up becoming NWA Wildside. And if it hadn't been for that time in USWA, Bill Barons and Burt Prentice, and then in Music City Wrestling, of course, a lot of what we have today with the NWA would not exist. And then uh, furthermore, um, it was that promotion, Music City Wrestling, that was more or less responsible for bringing credibility to the, the North American Championship once it returned from the WWE. I mean, you have to remember uh, that title was taken off of, of uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his name now, uh, Reckless Youth, and given to Jeff Jarrett uh, to compete with that NWA Invasion storyline of Raw back in, I think it was 97 or 98. And then they did that that angle, and, and when Jarrett was more or less out of the NWA group, they presented the belt to Barry Windham. Again, he didn't really win that title. They just more or less put the belt on him. And then when the invasion angle was dropped, the, the title just kind of hung around, and they, they didn't have a, a, a new champion to crown. Uh, with Music City ended up uh, unifying their North American Championship with the uh, NWA North American Championship, and and gained it some credibility instantly with Mike Rapata and, and Recon battling for that North American title. And it really kind of helped shape that North American championship for down the road, uh, being the, you know, the number, number one contender for the world's heavyweight championship when Mike Rapata would eventually become NWA world's heavyweight champion, um, associated with the success he had with the North American championship. And again, I mean, even up until, well, I mean, even tomorrow night, you know, uh, Burt Prentice's USA Championship Wrestling, it's still going on. They're, they're doing a show Friday night, Saturday night. They have big cards for the rest of the summer into September, into the fall. So, I mean, the show doesn't stop for anyone. And I think that's how Burt would have wanted it. And so his legacy will continue to thrive in that uh, in Tennessee, in that area. And, uh, again, just, you know, his connection to the NWA was short-lived but it, but impactful. And, you know, NWA Wildside was so big for the NWA um, in, in those lean years, in those uh, wilderness years, that had that promotion not come to fruition, we might not even be talking about the NWA today. You know, every little uh, step on that ladder brought us to this point. So it, I, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, the contributions that Bill Barron, excuse me, uh, Burt Prentice brought to the NWA and, of course, uh, by way of Bill Barron. So... Uh, so yeah, we, we, uh, we want to give, you know, love and, and, uh, respect to those three men and, and their families and their legions of fans all across the world. And, uh, yeah. You know, Christopher Love was the name of one of his alter egos. 
Yeah. For those, the thing about for Prentice, if I can step up in here for just a second. Absolutely. Is that, is that he was a true promoter. A, a real promoter. Uh, a promoter. Not, I don't know if he, <laughs> I don't know how he was on booking. I don't know how he was on anything else. But he was a promoter. If you gave half the promoters, half the promoters in the NWA at that time, a show and a stack card, and he said, here, you know, promote this show, sell tickets, you would have had 50 tickets sold. If you told Bert to go do it, you would have had a, you know, sold out event. He was a promoter. He went out. He knew how to talk. He knew how to network. He was, you know, he was a businessman. So did Bert have any, uh, sorry to interrupt, but did he have any NWA territories? Like, what was his, did he ever have any NWA territories? Well, Music, well, he, Music City was his. He and, he okay. and, he and um, Bill Barron's kind of ran that together. Bill was the television guy, and Bert was the promoter, and they were both working for USWA prior to Music City Wrestling. And Music City Wrestling was kind of a, a big stronghold for the NWA, like in '99, early 2000. You got to remember, there was only a handful of promotions associated with the NWA at that point. Barons was the promoter of record, but Bert, Bert uh, may have been the. He was at least half owner of the promotion. He may have owned it completely. I don't know 100% that business deal. And uh, and like I was saying, he was the true promoter. And, uh, and the, pers- the person who will sing that the most to you is Bill Barron. He'll tell you that Bert Burns was the was the one who could go out and talk and uh, it, it was it was interesting. Christopher Lovecourt was uh, a manager and a very flamboyant gay character, and uh, that wasn't too far from the thing. Bert uh, was gay, and he was he wasn't that flamboyant in real life, but he did have that networking ability, and he's another one who. Can't really find people who will talk badly about. Them. Not credible people, at least. <laughs> you, you he was either, a good guy. You either loved Burt Prentice or you hated him, because I have heard people say some pretty pretty gnarly things about him. But at the same time, I mean, I mean that's life too, right? You know, fifty well, percent. That's why I kind of threw in some of the credible. I, most of the people that had problems with him, I think, were probably on the wrong end of the problem. Maybe. If I can be honest, I have heard things, but it's just, you know, hey, look, here's something a lot of people don't know. No Burt Prentice, no TNA, because they would have died. Yeah. We need to because, get to that, yeah. And it has to do with the deal of the National Fairground, stuff like that. But he once said the best deal and the worst deal he ever made. <laughs> because he was running... He was running shows there, and he had the exclusive rights to it, and so he let TNA run there. He goes, so TNA was bringing in all these 
no top name people for free because they, they weren't charging for admission. He goes, and then he was trying to run a show there with local guys. <laughs> and he had to charge. He couldn't do it for free. He goes, right. and who wanted, who wanted to come pay $10 to see the other people? <laughs> when, they, when they go see TNA for free. But yeah, there was a lot going on at that time, and there were some other behind-the-scenes things going on that, like I said, Bert had been around, had been who he was. Uh, think, TNA would have died a horrible death. I think he was responsible for bringing uh, Chris Harris to Impact, who would later team with James Storm as the America's Most Wanted. Um, I know that he brought Shannon Moore out to... Uh, to that uh, territory in, in Nashville, and like I said, uh, he was a big supporter of Micropata and really helped establish him as uh, a top contender for the ten pounds of gold. And you know, I'm sure it had something to do with getting the ten pounds of gold around his waist. But let's move on to more NWA news and information because that's why you're here. We're here to talk NWA with the hashtag NWA fam. And real quick, let's go through some of your guys' comments. Uh, because uh, we, we want to include you guys here on the show. You know you're a vital, important part of the show, and we love talking to you guys. So uh, the first one I see is Dave Scooby said, the Alabama jam looked like it killed every time he hit it, 100%. <laughs> I, I That Alabama jam was like just uh, just such a fun fun uh, finisher, you know, going off the second rope. I know briefly as long WC- you weren't taking it. Well, sure, I was watching it at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know WCW outlawed the moves off of the top rope for a while, so I think he suspended doing the move or, or modified it to the second rope. But uh, it was still just always a fun move to see. Not just that, but a horrible move to actually give, too, because leg drops off the top rope leave a lifetime of a scar. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably... I, bet, I doubt the opponent felt anything. <laughs> well, and then you, you think about our, our you know... I recently passed Bobby Eaton, and he was such a professional that I'm sure he did his best to make sure that you know he didn't. He probably never hurt anybody. Um, well, listen to Al Snow's story about Bruiser Brody, and you know you learn how professional will do stuff. But you know, Al Snow basically had a story where Bruiser Brody had there was there there were all these stories that Bruiser Brody's knee drop, you know, had like crushing people's chest or whatever. And he talks about how he had to take it. And he goes, he never felt a thing. He never knew what happened. He goes, he, <laughs> made, he had closed his eyes in fear. And uh, and Brody had bloodied his tag team. It was a handicap match. And Brody had bloodied his tag team partner. And, uh, but, you know, that's what makes you a professional wrestler. That's how you're professional. Right. Is that you can do... You can do a move like that, and you don't feel anything. We have another. I'm sorry, I'm hijacking here for a second. Sorry, Stephen. Hijack away, brother. There was another story not long ago when a certain perv had made a comment about a clip of a big band Vader back where Vader was just pummeling this guy in the corner. And the certain firm have made the comment, he goes, well, at least we don't have to put up with bullying like that anymore. Oh, and the jobber who was in the match commented, he said, oh man, working with Leon White was great. He goes, 
He goes, never hurt me, never anything. He goes, again, a professional. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to make it look real. Working. He could work, make it look real. And uh-huh. so, you know. Who's going to tell, ba- tell Van Vader to stop sniffing? <laughs> What'd you say? I said, who's going to tell Van Vader to stop sniffing? Well, and that was the thing. He didn't have to. Vader was dead by the time this all came out. So, I mean, you know, the, you know, the, the jobber that was talking about it, you know, he had nothing to gain. Right. So, he was just saying, Leo, I was a great guy. He knew how to work. He, he, and he said, he goes, there were others he worked with that worked, you know, Road Warriors Capitadia. Jobbers used yeah. to leave that they saw their names up with the being in the match with Road Warriors. I saw Sid Vicious just tear someone apart once, and it was like, man, it was almost uncomfortable to watch. Just watching him, like, eat this guy's lunch, it was rough. Um, <laughs> let's get to some more of the comments. Michael Manning said, after watching WWF for years, finding WCW on TV in the UK, and then taping it late at night, it was so exciting to see a different promotion, which appeared more real to me. I mean, that's a great point. Guys, guys like beautiful Bobby, I mean, he just looked like a consummate professional as far as I'm concerned. Um, Chris Drummond mentioned that uh, that uh, uh, Jody Hamilton, the, the assassin, did own uh, Deep South Wrestling, but I think you mentioned that too, DK. And then uh, Chris Drummond says that he loved that North American title A.K.A. the Baron's Belt. I never heard it referred to as the Baron's Belt. I've I've got a soft spot for that title. I remember when the when the uh, Tharp era were selling off the old titles. I desperately wanted to try to get that North American Championship, but uh, it was not in the cards. Yeah, that uh, was the first one sold. Yeah, I heard it was. I mean, that title to me, that title had so much significance because being on WWE TV, and of course, it going back to Music City Wrestling and all that other fun stuff. So, I, I oh, that was such a pretty belt. I like that belt a lot. Um, and then Dodie Dodie points out that he knows that I love Mike Rapata, and you know, I used to hate that guy, and for no reason more than I just didn't think he should have been world champion, but like my views have changed as I've gotten older and I the way that I look at it is every person who's held the 10 pounds of gold has literally paved the way for the guy in front of uh, after him behind him so like we don't get to Adam Pierce if there's not a Mike Rapata and a Steve Carino and a Shinya Hashimoto and you know we don't get to that next step we don't get to lightning one era Nick Aldis uh, we don't get there if it's not off the backs of Jack Stane and Rob Conway and, uh, you know, uh, Shitoshi Kojima, Hiroshi Tenzin, um, the Tokyo Monster Kahegas. Every single champion laid the foundation for the next guy. And and I've always said that, you know, when, when people used to criticize the NWA saying, oh, it's dead, they just don't know it yet. My response was always that as long as that title is being defended and people are paying to watch that belt, um, you know, that champion, then you can't say it's dead. And again, every single person that I've mentioned in, in hundreds more who've carried that NWA brand since, you know, uh, 1948, each one of them get credit for paving that way for the guy uh, behind them. And we don't get to today if it hadn't been for every single one of them. So 
As much as I used and to And I mean, say, hey, in terms of Micropolis, somebody has to be the worst NWA champion of all time. I mean, so so <laughs> So I like somebody I has to be at the bottom of the list. Well, like so I'm a huge Chris Candido guy, right? I love Chris Candido. But you can't really say that he had much of a reign with the 10 pounds of gold. Like he had like three defenses. If you compare Micropata and, and Chris Candido, Micropata had a much better uh, career with that title. He actually had a real feud and changed hands. That title changed hands between him and Sabu. So, I mean, you can make the case that maybe Chris Candido was the worst champion. <laughs> maybe make the case that Shane Douglas was. You know, I mean, they, he's still officially recognized as world champion. So we could get on and on, but uh, we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Well, I do want to say one thing on that issue. And this is one of those things where I want people to really think. Rapata, I understand the criticisms with Rapata, but I always thought he was the right choice. Yeah. At that time. Probably given the competitive, yeah, who's up well, against that. Would, would you prefer right Jerry Flynn? No, you're right. He, he's, you're right on that. He, well, he'd been wrestling for several promotions there in the south. He was he was a draw there in the south. I did I did some shows with Microfoto. Did you really? Yeah, he what? worked in NWA Southwest. How was he to work with? No, I didn't wrestle. I just was on some of the shows he was on. Shows. But, but anyway, he was overrated even then. <laughs> my point was that he was a he was a guy that. He was a guy that needed to work, or he, or he was a guy that had worked a lot in the NWA, had done some stuff, had helped them. And if you're not going to put the title on someone like that, then why would you do that for the NWA? Right. No, no, I, I think he was the right choice at the right time, but it just kind of says a little bit about the amount of talent that they they had on the roster. Well, I mean, also maybe have a little, I maybe have a little bit of a salt spot saltiness spot about it because um, you know my my best friend Rodney Mack was also someone that wanted to be in the conversation for NWA North American and World Champion at the time and even had a, a feud with Dan Severn uh, and God I don't know if you ever guys ever saw that match good lord uh, but you know I just uh, I just say you know, there were there were some there were some. I, I may be a little partial, and it may just because of the, the era that I have that taste in my mouth about it. It's probably it had nothing to do with Rapata personally at all. I, I, nothing to do with him. He's a great guy. Not, not nothing about that. It's just you know, I thought there were more talented people that could have been held on that holding that belt. They were friends of mine. So, so before we, so before we get to the rest of the NWA news, we want to get to, um, just so because we've been on Micropata so much, he won that title at NWA Florida's Tango in Tampa 2000 match happened September 19th 2000, and here are the names of the folks that were in the tournament besides Rapata, Jerry Flynn, Fidel Sierra, who I think that was uh, the Cuban assassin, right? Hector Guerrero, Kendall Windham. Stone Mountain, <laughs> Greg the Hammer Valentine, and Joe Malenko. So, oh, like a ger- geriatric tournament. Yeah, I mean, look, they could have certainly found younger, but uh, I mean, that was the same event that had uh, 
had Adam Windsor, the NWA Florida champion, versus Dory Funk Jr. Um, and also had, uh, who else was on here? Lex Lovett, uh, Vito Danuki, Chris Nelson, Cyborg. So, I mean, there was some young blood on that on that show, but obviously not in that tournament. Um, Don't get us started on Adam Windsor. Yeah. He was supposed to be the chosen one. Um, so, okay, let's go. <laughs> Your face says it all, DK. Let's get to some more news and information. Uh, uh, last night, a new number one contender was crowned at AEW's Dynamite. If you guys are watching Dynamite, that's great. I'm I'm glad you are. I don't particularly watch it. I'm I'm sticking to my NWA and my Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. But last night, Layla Hirsch defeated uh, the Bunny Allie to become the number one contender and what we saw after the post-match kind of made me scratch my head because Camille was ringside the women's world champion was ringside and if you guys have ever seen Camille she's a legit five foot ten last night she was wearing heels which made her effectively seven foot tall when she stepped in the ring against legit Layla Hirsch who's literally like four foot two it was the weirdest thing that she was seven foot yeah, well, I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously, but it just was the weirdest image I've seen in a wrestling ring with women in a long time. You, and I'm not trying to make fun of Layla Hirsch, but she legitimately looked like a little person next to next to um, uh, Camille, who, like I said, is a legit 5'10 and had heels on. So uh, what did you guys think about that? Are you excited about that match? I, I, I pulled the audience and ask them if they're excited about that match. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Well, bad wrestling fan that I am, uh, I didn't know. This is news to me now. But you remember, I, I, I've been, I've called, I called it with Camille like a while back. I mean, I've been on the bandwagon. I've been critical when it needed to win time, when it was time to be critical. I wasn't, I'm not just giving her a free pass. But, I mean, from day one, I've said she's big league talent. She's TV, like, TV material. And all she's got to do is just continue down the path that she's on and continue to improve, and the sky is the limit with her. So I think AEW, I think a lot of the show, I've gotten to watch a few episodes over the last few weeks and been really impressed with how much the show has grown over the last few months, especially because the first time I watched it, I really didn't like it. But now I can really get into the show. I really, I really like what they're starting to do with it. I think it's huge for Camille. I think it's huge for the NWA. I think it's a great move for all parties involved. Uh, again, it, it it kind of puts AEW in a uncharted territory in terms of just their willingness to work with other companies and not have that kind of beef situation that you typically have in that scenario. Obviously, WWE would be the the idea. It'd be great to see the all the all of them work together, um, like they did when we were all kind of growing up. A lot of back in the day, I mean, we did get to see a lot of the best talent wrestle each other before WWE kind of came along. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Camille made a fuss. And when I say that, I mean made made. That's making news to me. When your champion goes on TV for a major wrestling promotion and dwarfs 
the ch- the the her next challenger. Uh, all I can say is it, it better be a three minute match because if that's the the image you're getting on TV, then the Hirsch girl doesn't even stand a chance. It shouldn't stand a chance if we're trying to make wrestling believable. DK, I know you have some thoughts. Well, I mean, I think you more or less nailed. You just uh, had a conversation earlier with Jaden, was talking about how you know Layla's supposedly a legit badass and could, you know, have a lot of combat training and stuff like that. Maybe she could, maybe she couldn't kick Camille's ass. Camille's also done some MMA training and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't care. Not an MMA. It's not an MMA. And so, image matters. Size matters. Things matter. And it does. I mean, aren't you short? I mean, by any standard. When you look at the pictures, you, her head barely makes it to the top row. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and I, I know there's humor in it, but I, I'm not saying it to be humorous. It's, it's legit. That I said to be humorous. Now, unintended. Uh, yes. And here's my thing. I'm not as big of a fan of working together as other people are. Like, I've made the comment on Discord, you know, a lot of people go, oh, isn't it great? Look what happened to, you know, IWGP US Championship was defended in the main event on AEW and it even changed hands. Well, yeah, both guys are under contracts to both companies. <laughs> and the truth is, at this moment, I I would never see Hirsch as being a serious contender at this time for the AEW title. And there was there was a thing a little while back where like all these people, somebody I shouldn't say all these people, tell me, but somebody got the idea of oh they need to put the NWA title on Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. It's 55 years of age for how old he is. And it's like, that's a terrible idea. No, it's a great idea. He'll be a great champion. He can outwork everybody that's, in, you know, whatever. I go, well, then put the AEW world title on. Right. I don't hear anything. Dustin needs to be the AEW world champion. If he doesn't need to be the AEW world champion, then he doesn't need to be the NWA world champion. I, I do want to make a point for legit Layla. I do want to give her some credit because, I mean, she's got a couple of uh, wins, you know, back to back to back in AEW. In fact, she's only got three losses, three losses all year. And her losses were to Nyla Rose, who's the former AEW women's champion, to Thunder Rosa, who's the former NWA women's champion, and to Rio, who's, I'm not going to pronounce that correctly. We'll just say Rio. So it's not like she hasn't had some key victories in AEW, but you're right. Well, um, well you told us who she lost to, who she beat. Give me a second, and I'll get that for you. Because, on, you know, it's like they'll do this thing on AEW where they'll go, they have 15 victories, and they've won 10 straight matches. 
and you go and look and you find out that you know all but two of them are on AEW Dark against the same people that lose every week on AEW Dark. So she she defeated uh, Dynamante. She's defeated her twice. Uh, not a, not I'm not not very good with these names. Uh, N- Natalia Markova, Vert Vixen, Robin Renegade, Kelsey Heather, um, Renee Michelle, um, Shauna Vipress, uh, Masha Slamovich, Sarah Evans, Miranda Elise, and uh, Brooke Havoc, and uh, Catalina Perez. I think that says it all. I don't even know who any of those people are. You don't know who... Uh... There you go. <laughs> so, so, the people that everyone knows she's lost to, and the people nobody knows, and they don't follow AEW, and more specifically like AEW Dark, and Dark uh, Elevation and whatever, you know, she's won. So, all right. And she doesn't, you know, look, I'm not saying they can't have a good match. Sure, I'm just sure. saying that I'm in, I'm in no way, shape, or form, you know, thinking, oh, I can't wait to see it. I, I kind of hope they do what Kevin suggested and have her roll right through, you know, almost a squash. Because I feel like that would be more empowering for the NWA and its women's world champion to show up at the 73rd against whomever she faces, um, having steamrolled an AEW competitor. I think that would be great. I agree. Hey, hey, I agree. Hey, to here, have a four, foot, a, a four foot 11 girl, sorry, DK, but I started first. But I have a four, <laughs> four foot tall girl uh, beating up Camille in any capacity. Um, it's it's not it's not just bad for the NWA, but it's also bad for business. You know, oh, we have a timeout, guys. We've got family business. Hi, I'm Claire. They know who you are. Hi, Claire. I'm Kevin. And, and this year, I'm gonna be in third grade. Hey. Awesome. Congratulations, Claire. And I get to see my friend. Nice. Yeah, you going to? You actually going to school? You yep. get to go to school. Today was first day. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome! I watched it a movie. Well, some of it. What movie? The movie that we watched. Um. So. It was the Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, we watched That's that on cool. on Netflix. It's a great yeah. movie. All right, say say bye to everyone. Bye. Bye. I love Beat that. Beat you there, kids. Yeah. And Jimmy agrees with me, by the way. Well, Go, you know, Jimmy. Jimmy gets it right every once in a while. <laughs> um. So yeah. So so I mean, again, we we don't know exactly how this is all gonna come out, right? Um, they're, they're, we're getting little bits in, in, of information of how this show is going to go for the women's empowered pay-per-view. We know that Deanna Perrazzo was just announced on Access TV. Deanna Perrazzo, the knockouts champion, will I think she's defending against Melina. At the very least, they will have a match 
uh, our, our NWA Molina versus Impact's Deanna Perrazzo. We also know that there will be a 10-woman battle royal to determine the invitational champion who will face uh, uh, Camille or whomever the world champion is at the 73rd. And uh, we know the, a couple of the contestants then that, that are going to be in that uh, battle royal. We know it's going to be, um, that was announced just today, uh, Chelsea Green, who's currently working with Impact hey. Annie. They did, I don't know. Yeah. They're doing a battle royal to determine who's going to face That's Camille? Yeah, that's what I saw today. It was on, um, it was on, uh, Mickey James tweeted it. Um, they they were calling it this entire time. It, they was calling it a gauntlet, but now they're calling it a, an invitational battle royal. Oh, so she's not she's not wrestling the AEW girl at Empower. No, no, she uh, Camille okay. Camille will be wrestling Layla Hirsch uh, in the Women's World uh, Championship match at okay. Empower, and then the winner of the okay. invitational battle royal will face Camille the very next night at the seventy third oh. anniversary show. It might be nice. her. So, so wait, did you say Chelsea Green's going to be there? Chelsea Green has uh, oh, committed dude. to it. And well, that's, I, that's, I, that's a huge out. talent upgrade. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Go ahead, DK. I thought this was supposed to be a young person invitational thing tournament to see who was going to face uh, Camille at. 73. I mean, what they said was that they never they never really mentioned it was a young person thing. They said it was trying to establish some lesser known names. And I guess Chelsea Green being in NXT. And... Chelsea <laughs> uh, Green, Lauren Van Hess, former, uh, t- uh, former TNA or Impact or whatever world champion, uh, broken wrist girl from SmackDown, uh, Top talent on NXT. Uh, this is our person that needs exposure. Uh, you know, to rise to the top, lesser known you, thing. You want, you want me to tell y'all what happened? Just so you know. Uh, I bet I can guess, but yes, Kevin, tell me what happened. So what happened is, is they. Were try- they didn't have anybody for the battle royal initially, so they came up with this uh, this kind of this verbiage to kind of justify putting whatever they're going to put out there. And then all of a sudden, they found a way to get a few names to throw in there, and they're going to just ignore that they ever said that in the first place. And that's that's pro wrestling one on one right there. <laughs> DK, was I close? Yeah, I mean, more or less. <laughs> Look, if, if you've watched the last few episodes, you'll know that I basically said that because the NWA gets a lot of criticism for not knowing or not promoting what their cards are for these pay-per-views until the very end. And what I've been stating from the beginning is because they don't know themselves. I really don't think these cards come together very well until the very end. I think they have they a vague con concept when they do TV, but they don't really put it together. Uh, Kikuchi, Kuku for Cocoa Puffs, I don't think he's here tonight, but when he was on one he's week, here. he goes, you know, is he? Okay, I haven't seen him yet. Mm-hmm. Ah, my screen went dark. Uh, he said that uh, 
you know, he said, you know, some people, they actually make plans, you know, so that they can, they already have the card figured out, you know, the next card figured out when this one takes place so that they can make plans and have TV and do things to build up properly. So, yeah. So, I, so get, getting back to the uh, Empower pay-per-view and again, um, somebody, uh, Doty said, I wish they were, uh, listing the card for this what we know now and i'm you know i'm sure things are fluid i'm sure things will change but there's been three names announced for the women's invitational battle royal again chelsea green tootie lynn and uh uh, uh gosh what was her name um jamie senegal so we still have a couple of names in that battle royal there's still seven more names to be announced uh, oh jamie senegal's on that too yeah He's pretty good. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good. That's a good name. There. Again, I just, I just think like they're throwing it together the best they can because look, it's hard to so just kind of what would you call it, DK, when you just jump in. Um, but no, I, th- I think really, and, and that, I'll give them honestly, I'll give them a little leeway on this because of because of the reality of who they are in the business right now. They're not, they're not top tier. So for them, you know, they have to be a little flexible because if they can get some big names into these shows last minute, they they have they have to do it. And I think that I just think that that's why I give them a little leeway on this because they kind of have to do it this way because a lot of the best wrestlers out there are under contract with somebody, and you never you know you got to take what you can get in their situation because they have their main roster of people, but. We all know that that main roster is not star-studded. And in the in the thing, hey Kevin, Go ahead. right? Yes, hey Kevin. Kevin, so I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, like one of the people who's been mentioned over Twitter and some things, not by the NWA but just by some fans, somebody like Miranda Gordon. Okay. Been around a couple of years. Has about a hundred. 30, 40 matches under her belt. Still somewhat green. Uh, has the name of being Terry Gordy's uh, daughter. So, like, in your mind, is that somebody you would want, even though she's not necessarily a big name, but she's connected to one? I mean, you know, I think... I. I think right now with the NWA, it's not like the talent they are putting out there is just, oh my God. I mean, granted at the top end, they do have some really good talent at the top end, but it's kind of like the haves and have nots. I mean, there's a huge gap between the be- the top tier talent and the mid to lower tier talent. So I, I just think that having somebody like, a, somebody, I mean, they got Colby Carino out there for that same reason, and he's trash. So, I mean, what would Miranda Gordy hurt? First of all, she's a really nice person. She got a real, the, the Gordy family, I happen to know them, and they're just incredible people. I mean, they'll treat you like family, and they don't even, they don't even know you. And, you know, I had no idea when I met Miranda that she would end up becoming a professional wrestler. None of them showed any interest in it whatsoever. But to me, if you if 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 you're gonna throw Colby Carino out there and let that trash go out there and wrestle and, and make your show look like that, uh, what can Miranda Gordy putting a Gordy on there, putting her name out there, 
especially again not to trash the women's division at all because i actually really like the women's division in the nwa right now but i don't think she would take anything away i definitely think she would add something to the roster and then um just just as we're going through this too um you know the women's roster we know the, 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 the faces we know that sh- will be on this pay-per-view because they're listed on the poster. Now, I can only imagine they'll be there, but you still have Kylie Ray who's supposed to be there. You still have Genocide Woo! who's supposed to be there. We know that Kenzie Page and Lady Frost will be there in some capacity. So, I mean, this this card's starting to shape up. Now, I, I think maybe part of the reason why we're getting an announcement like Chelsea Green is because NWA 73rd just sold out. Like literally, like I think it was yesterday, eight hundred, I think eight hundred tickets sold out for the pay per view. That's huge. That's a great big number for the NWA. And then there's stri- that's a great big number for anybody who's not WWE or AEW. Yeah, no, and don't oh. please, please don't get me wrong. I mean that's that's like a full capacity at the chase. So I think that's a great victory for the NWA. And not one single match has been announced yet, other than. We know that the women's champion at the end of Empower will face the winner of the Invitational. That's the only match that's been signed for um, for the seventy third. But the it's women's, official. yeah, official. But the women's pay per view still hasn't. Uh, you know, they they still have like I think like about one hundred and thirty tickets left, which in and of itself is a great number. Don't get me wrong. They they still I think they sold like uh, six hundred something tickets already. So that's pretty good considering again there's not like all these official matches that have been announced. Um, but I think they have to start re- releasing some of these names to garner a little bit more interest, right? So that more people will will buy that. Like you know, the pay per view numbers are going to be different than obviously the live attendance. But you want that live gate there. You need that audience there. I mean, wrestling is back and they need a, a live fan base there and they need to be loud and rowdy but but ultimately if they're going to be spending names on Deanna Perrazzo, Chelsea Green, you know, they need to have a reason to do that so I, I really think this is a, we're going to see putting here Chelsea few, Green, putting Chelsea Green on that show is going to sell that thing out this telling you right now, okay she's a great talent and she's a draw, I mean she, I don't, I don't understand why WWE, oh I'd go for Chelsea Green right, I mean she's awesome, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't, don't have anything for being on the show. It was just, I was just, the way they have been advertising things versus what they're kind. Of, uh, if you told me at the beginning, hey, you know, first round draft, Chelsea Green's going to be there. Oh hell, that's, you know, I bought the pay per view bundle. Of, I'll fly out to St. Louis or whatever. Hey, I want to talk a little bit just about. We're talking about them selling out the the pay-per-view. For those of you that don't know, they're doing four straight shows there, back-to-back. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And they've sold out the pay-per-view. Looks like they're down to about, like Jay said, 130, 150 tickets on Empower which at one point actually had the most open seats. The Monday night show, it looks like it's down to around that. Just over a hundred tickets in the Tuesday night show, kind of, eh, 
just a few more. So if we're assuming 800 tickets for every show, then we're, you know, somebody do the math, that's 800, 800, 700, 700, 700, about right now. You know, pretty close, maybe drop another 50 somewhere to even it out. I don't know an indie show. I don't know a ROH show. I don't know an MLW show. I don't know a New Japan America show. I don't know an Impact show. I don't know any other wrestling promotion that wouldn't love to say we've sold a couple of thousand ticket worth. I have my calculator up. You know, you know, over four days for a show. Can you think that, of anybody? I mean, that's a that's a big uh, that's a big thing, and I, actually. To me, I really think that pay-per-view buy rates are really important because that's how they're making money. But I really believe that your ability to pull fans out to a live arena um, really, to me, tells me how how good your how the health of your of your wrestling promotion. So if they're if they're doing what you're saying that they're doing, that's amazing. That's great. And, yeah, I'm and those you tickets right aren't cheap either. Well, and, um, and let me tell you this, DK and, and Jay. The amount of the revenue and the clout, I guess you would say, that they're going to get from having these four shows and then being a huge success, you're going to see an upgrade in talent almost immediately. So I, that excites me, um, you know, and, and again, uh, I know that in the past that, that I don't pull punches when it comes to being critical of the company. Um, but I also will say when something's good, too. So it's not like I'm just all trash and everything oh, i just sure. am honest and and honestly it, it, this sounds like a really a turning point for the nwa and and they really have a chance to capitalize here um on on some momentum because right now the momentum is going to be what they can really capitalize on if if they do this the right way so you know when they first announced these two shows i was skeptical but as things are starting to come together and honestly, on the on the back of a really a, a pretty strong show for them this week uh, on uh, the championship series, which is really I'm really starting to warm up to it, to be honest, because I'm sure the DK's liking is causing more wrestling to happen in the show and way less fluff. I mean, there was no fluff in this last this most recent show. Let's at all. Let's hit a little bit more news, and then we'll get to the comments, and then we'll jump into the into the show. I do have one quick thing. If you add up all those numbers that I said, they are sitting somewhere around 22,850 uh, tickets sold over four days. Uh, general admission prices are around are thirty dollars each. So you know, again, this isn't a this isn't a ten dollar ticket to the movie or whatever. We talked opportunity cost once before, and I'm sure the ringside were pricier than that so you know let's let's make it pretty clear here they've done an excellent job the community has got behind them which is the most important thing 
They've been on news shows. They've been on local shows. I think they've had billboards, someone told me. And they are, I don't know, it's 100% true, somebody told me. And they, they have done an excellent job with them. 100% props to ever been involved. Is there Billy Corgan? You know, you get all the blame. You're going to get all the credit here too. Absolutely. And, and your staff. So, and excellent job. Excellent, excellent job. Very impressed. Very proud. Glad I'm an NWA fan. Just, just on that alone there. And then to add on top of that, you know, we're, we we haven't talked about the actual financials, but we, you know, we're saying that you know. You know, two thousand plus tickets at thirty bucks a pop is a huge victory, and we're not talking about the you know the higher price tickets. We're just talking about general admission. But on top of that, uh, it was announced earlier today that Bush Light will become the official beer of wrestling at the Chase. So the NWA is getting a sponsorship deal uh, with the, the local uh, beer company. And I, I mean, I don't know what those numbers are in particular, but if they're getting an endorsement type deal from from a, a you know semi-national company i think that's a great deal too bush light you know it's not my beer of choice but you know twenty dollars is twenty dollars and i think that's a great uh, great news for the nwa that you know there's someone out there commercially who's looking to invest in the brand so not only are the fans of st louis invested in the fans who are coming from outside of st louis who are heading into that city but now you've got you know corporations who are invested in it um you know this wrestling from the chase you know billy corgan said that this is something he'd like to do on a more regular basis and you know we've we've you know, uh, DKM and I have speculated that maybe they could do a regular television show from that area or, you know, more specials from that area. But I really think that's starting to become more of a reality and it's based on the fan support. So, you know, that hashtag NWA fam, you guys here in the chat that are either going to the show or going to order the pay-per-view, I mean, tip of a cap to you because you're, you're helping drive all this. And then the last bit of news I have for tonight is that we are going to have a bonus episode of NWA Power. Our world's heavyweight champion has now gifted us uh, an, an additional episode of Power, which I really think that means that they shot so much additional content that they had enough to release another episode, which I think is a smart move. I think it's a smart play, getting those YouTube fans excited because they're not charging for this episode. It's going to be free, available on YouTube at NWA or YouTube.com forward slash the NWA. Uh, maybe I would have held back on this a little bit till uh, closer to the pay-per-view, but I think this is another victory for the fans who maybe have been waiting behind the pay window for an opportunity to get some more of that NWA content and maybe they can squeeze a few more pay-per-view buys out of just releasing this kind of a show on um, on YouTube. Thoughts? Smart great publicity, son. Yeah, I think it's a great publicity move and anytime you give away a little bit of, you know, as long as they're not giving away what I'm paying for, I'm good with it. Meaning, meaning don't give a, don't put one of the shows that I'm paying five bucks a month for on YouTube, but that that bothered me a little bit. But hey, you can put stuff out there. Please put stuff out there um, that's gonna really help grow the brand. Because I think we all want the same thing. I think we want to see them be successful because it's just gonna create a better show, and that's what we want. I mean, the, we're on here because we love the NWA. So 
we want to see it grow and i think that's awesome i mean they they started they really revive they really revamped or what do you call it, revived the company using youtube and and i like to see them uh you know still utilizing that that tool as much as they can so let's go to the comment section um I'm seeing a lot of great comments and I think we should recognize some of these that we're getting over here. If I can get my mouse to work. Um, Valerie's here in the house. Welcome Valerie. Everyone's excited that you're here. Uh, let's see. Um, Willie Bone was throwing out some fantasy booking. He would like to see that Jessica Havoc, Rosemary and Jordan Grace would be at this card, but I, I'm not, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, it could. Chris Drummond says that uh, it's weird that there's no mention of Thunder Rosa on Empower. To that, I'm going to say, I don't think you're going to get Thunder Rosa at Empower. I think she's done. I think she's done with her commitments to the National Wrestling Alliance. She's signed an exclusive deal with AEW. And you might not ever see Thunder Rosa in an NWA ring again. Now, saying that, she might be on the next person on the card. But until they uh, formally announce it, I'm going to just assume that she's done. Like, done, done. Um, Terry McDermott said that Miranda is a very nice person. Miranda Gordy. Um, let's see. Uh, what would Luthez do? Says that uh, St. Louis. He said that St. Louis would do the NWA proud, and they certainly have. They rose to the occasion. Um, he also said that they they are far from starving from wrestling, so that means that they're just looking for the NWA, which I think is great. Um, let's see. Wrestling with MMA said 22,000 is a great number, and that shows that people want to see wrestling. And Dodie says, will the beer be priced at 8 cents when you buy it at the Chase? I think that's going back to the olden days of the Chase and how much they would charge for beer. Uh, Dodie says, the additional content, he wishes it would contain more wrestlers who are still underutilized, like Jordan Clearwater or El Rudo. Um, kind of like the matches we see on Power Surge, and I'm okay with that. And uh, the last thing is wrestling with MMA says the one and only time I have liked something Aldous has done by giving us a free episode of power. So uh, those are the comments. That's the news. Thank you guys for checking that out. Now let's. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance blog podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at The Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at The Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.